Hello, my name is Kyle. I'm part of the Inner City Congregation in Seapoint, and uh, I'm married to Michelle. She heads up the Kids Rock there in Greenpoint AM, and we have a little boy called Harrison who um, is just about to start walking, so that's a whole new uh, phase of life for us. And it's a new year. Welcome to it, and with the new year, we're kicking off a new series called First Things First, and a lot of stuff uh, will change into this year. A lot of stuff uh, will remain the same. Um, and one of the things that's going to remain the same is, is our vision as a people and as a church. God's given us a, a vision and a heart for the city of Cape Town. Common grounders are those who are called to fill the city with the message, life, and fame of Jesus. And first things first, this series is a look into the kind of people that God uses to renew a city and the, the kind of people that God has called us as common grounders to increasingly be becoming. In essence, it's a series about our culture as a church, who we are. It's about the things that make us us, if we could say it like that. Our distinctives that both distinguish us uh, from the city, apart from the city, but it's also the things that enable us to actually serve the city and contribute to its renewal. And so, uh, the questions I'm sort of throwing out are, you know, what should the tone of our lives be like? What is the flavor that we're meant to be giving off uh, to the people around us, to the, to the city around us, to the world around us? And so we're going to be chatting about uh, lots of these things. And many of these things are going to be, if I could say, character things, okay? It'll be things like the fact that we're a people with an overcoming spirit. Uh, that's the nature of who we're called to be. It'll include the idea that uh, when people encounter our community, when they walk in on a Sunday or they're, they're a part of us for a while, they recognize that, that we have a strong culture of honor. These are the types of things that we're going to be chatting through in the next couple of weeks. And today, I'm talking less about character stuff and heart stuff, although I really pray that it, it comes through in what I'm saying. But I want to major on the lifestyle of Jesus. What is the flavor of Jesus' life that he gave off as he was walking around planet Earth 2,000 years ago? Because we're meant to be a people who are marked and characterized by the words and the works of Jesus. You consider what he says in Luke 6. He says that a disciple is, is not above his teacher, but everyone, when they're fully trained, will be like their teacher. And you consider what the Apostle John says in 1 John 2. He says this, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And I want to major on this. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so for those of us, the majority of us probably who consider ourselves Christ followers here today who are listening in, um, our desire is that our lives continually look like the life of Jesus and we grow in that. And, and today, I wanna, my goal is to create a hunger and create a desire in us for that to happen, for our lives to move towards the life that Jesus has for us, okay? I, I want us to desire our lives to radiate the flavor of Jesus to the world around us. And I, my plan, literally, is to, is to bombard you and convince you that there's, there's more for us to embody and there's, there's more for us to be giving off to the city around us in the year 2021, 
<clears throat> and for those of you who are listening in, and you are not a Christ follower, you logged into, uh, you know, onto this message today, uh, maybe someone invited you, maybe you Googled uh, church or Jesus, however you got here today, you don't consider yourself a Christ follower, here's my invitation to you. I want you to get to know Jesus as I, as I talk about him today. I want you to get a more accurate picture of who he is, and I want you to get a more accurate picture of, of what his followers are meant to be getting up to, what we should look like, what we should sound like. That's what I want you to, to investigate today. And, and if, I'm, if I'm straight up and honest, I want you to consider Jesus for your life. I want you to consider following him. I want you to consider um, changing your life, changing your mind, um, turning from the life that you currently have now and turning to follow him with your life going forward. So that's the invitation for you. And the passage that I've got today that I think really encapsulates a lot of the angles that I want to share about is from the Gospel of Matthew. So let me read it. Matthew 9, verse 38, uh, 35 to 38. Here we go. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's our passage for today. And um, there's three things that we're gonna chat about today. And it's gonna be uh, Jesus' words and then Jesus' works. And I've actually divided that into two. It's gonna be, we're gonna look at Jesus' works of power and then Jesus' works of mercy and compassion and how we're called to embody all of these things. So let's dive in firstly with the words of Jesus. We read there, it said, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Now, you read through the gospels and you'll just see Jesus over and over and over again, teaching people. Okay, he'll teach people in small groups. He'll teach his groups of disciples. He'll teach people one-on-one. -on -one. He'll teach large groups out in the field, in the synagogue. Jesus was always teaching and speaking. And you'll often hear him also proclaiming what's called the good news, the gospel. Sometimes it's called, as we see here, the gospel of the kingdom. In the book of Mark that we've been journeying through in 2020, and we're going to carry on later in 2021, we're about halfway through at the moment, um, it kicks off the gospel of Mark with uh, Jesus calling people to repent because the kingdom of God is near. Repent because the kingdom of God is near. And so what is this, this good news, this gospel that Jesus keeps talking about? What is the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God was the, the hope of the Jewish people. It was the hope of the Jewish people when Jesus arrived on the scene, okay? The story of the world in their minds and in our minds is that since, since our first parents, Adam and Eve, rejected God and they rejected his ways, sin entered the world, it entered creation, and sin, death, and the kingdom of darkness entered everything, and the people in Jesus' day believed that they were in what they called the, the evil age or the present evil age. And they were waiting for the day when the kingdom of God would arrive. The rule and reign of God would break in. It would bring an end to the present evil age. It would purge sin from the world. And what would remain would be a restored world where the God of the Bible was worshipped, where there'd be no more uh, suffering 
there would just be peace and there would be wholeness. Is what the Bible calls shalom. That was the hope. And Jesus came proclaiming that this kingdom, this hope had arrived with him coming into the world. In, in the incarnation, God coming in human form in the person of Jesus. And at the end of his life, Jesus uh, died on a cross to bear the punishment for human sin. And then we really entered this new age. And we could say there was an overlap of the ages where the kingdom of God had broken in amidst the present evil age. And we're still in it. The kingdom of God is spreading. It has been spreading for 2,000 years. His rule and his reign is taking over. And it'll be complete when Jesus returns again. When he returns, he's gonna wipe out Satan. He's gonna wipe out sin. He's gonna wipe out death for good. And he's gonna bring this evil age to an end. And right now we're caught in this overlap of the ages. The kingdom, the kingdom is already, but it's also not, not yet. And the message of Jesus to the world then 2,000 years ago and still today in the midst of this overlap of the ages is repent. That's what he said, repent. It means to change your mind, to turn around, to leave your old way of thinking, to leave your old way of living and turn and face Jesus who is God in the flesh and follow him, God's ultimate revelation of himself. That's what it means, repent and trust in Jesus. Believe the good news of the kingdom. And this is the message of Jesus and therefore, it should be our message. It's what we're called to fill the city with. And we want to be people who are both proclaimers of this message and responders to this message. This message doesn't just leave you the same. We need to be people of repentance daily who, who every day say no to the things of the kingdom of this world and say yes to the things of Jesus and say yes to the things of the kingdom of God. We're meant to be, if I can say it like this, we're meant to be a kingdom people. And we want to be people who talk about Jesus, who talk about the king of the kingdom. Okay, just imagine our conversations were just seasoned with this continually, okay? This message was always on our lips. We spoke about it. We gossiped about it. It's the thing that we got excited about more than anything else. Because it's a message of hope. It really is a message of hope. The pain and the brokenness and the evil is passing away. And the message says, get in on it. Get in on it while you can. Turn and face Jesus. Place your trust in him. Place your faith in Jesus. And the message is all about him, if you, if you can hear it. It's centered about him. Everything revolves around him. The apostle Paul, when he would constantly write about the good news, the gospel, he said things like this. He said, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for sins in accordance with, with the scriptures. That's how he summarizes the gospel. He sometimes just calls it the good news of Christ or the good news of the glory of Christ. In Ephesians, he says that the preaching of the gospel is the preaching of the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's an amazing language. What he's saying is, if we believe the gospel, it involves seeing the beauty and the goodness of Jesus. It involves treasuring Jesus. That's what believing and following Jesus is all about and believing and trusting the good news. So we want Jesus on our lips. Okay, we want to point people to Jesus just like he pointed people to himself. It's all about Jesus. And just think of the ways that he describes himself in the gospel of John. There's the famous seven I am statements that Jesus says, just pointing people to himself. Let me just read them to you. He said things like this. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he will live. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. I'm the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. These are all statements that point towards Jesus as the fulfillment of all the longings and questions of humanity. It's the message of Jesus. Jesus is known for many things in the world. He's been known for many things throughout human history, but his words might be some of the most famous and highly regarded things in the world. I mean, even those who wouldn't consider themselves Christ followers, I think of Jordan Peterson. He reckons Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount is still one of the most beautiful and profound teachings that the world has ever heard. And it comes from the lips of a carpenter. Now, Jesus' words are profound. And friends, I wanna say, let us be filled with the message of Jesus. And let's take that out into the city in 2021. So that's the words of Jesus. We wanna embody those, but also let's move on and talk about the works of Jesus, the works of Jesus. So we read in Matthew there, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, dot, 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 healing every disease and every affliction. Now I wanna say this, I wanna start here and say this, miracles, healings, acts of power, they were not fringe events in the ministry of Jesus. They were central to everything he was doing. He didn't just do some, some of these odd miracles here and there. Just listen to this. Jesus changed water into wine. Jesus cured the nobleman's son. He brought in this miraculous great hall of fishes. Jesus cast out an unclean spirit. Jesus cured Peter, Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. Jesus healed a leper. Jesus healed the centurion's servant. Jesus raised the widow's son from the dead. Jesus calmed the storm. Jesus cured two demoniacs. Jesus cured the paralytic. Jesus raised the ruler's daughter from the dead. Jesus cured a woman of an issue of blood. Jesus opened the eyes of two blind men. Jesus loosened the tongue of a man who couldn't speak. Jesus healed an invalid man at the pool of Bethesda. He restored a withered hand. Jesus fed at least 5,000 people on one occasion. At another occasion, he fed at least 4,000 people. Jesus healed a woman of Canaan. Jesus cured a deaf and mute man. This is not even close to the full list. This is just getting started. Friends, miracles, healings, power, they were not fringe in the ministry of Jesus. And maybe you'd say, well, he did tons of miracles, but they were all mostly just to confirm the fact that he was God in the flesh. They were just to confirm his deity. Well, 22% of the miracles are about confirming his deity. Just 22. 50% of Jesus' miracles are him just having mercy and compassion in people and doing these works out of that space. And then about 25% is him delivering people from the power of the evil one. But a very small percentage of this is, is just him merely confirming the fact that he is God. And so next I then wanna say, 
Well, these, these works were, were never meant to cease with Jesus. And I know there are, there are, there are people and Christ followers who would say um, the, the miracles of Jesus were, were just for him, his time, and maybe the first century apostles, and now they've ceased. And if, if that is you, I want to point you to a great book that I, I've read. I found it, I found it so helpful. Um, if you are, are, are struggling with, hey, should the miraculous stuff and the healings and the miracles continue today? It's called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, by Dr. Jack Deere. And it's a phenomenal book. Um, It's just got a rigorous study of the Bible, but also his journey into recognizing the fact that actually the miracles still continue today and we should pursue them. And I want to make this case from the Bible right now quickly. You look at the Gospels, okay, and you see that Jesus did all these things, but then he sent his disciples and he called them to teach and to announce the kingdom and to perform acts of power. His disciples in the Gospels, were called to both preach and to demonstrate the kingdom. And they did it while he was alive, but then they also continued to do it after he had died and risen again and gone to the right hand of the Father. And he poured out the Spirit on his church to empower them, his disciples, and they continued to do it. And you read Acts 1. Just, just look at the first verse of Acts 1 verse 1. It says this. So it's Luke who was the author of the Gospel of Luke. He's now writing his sequel, Acts. And he says this. In my first book, O Theophilus, that's who he wrote it to, he says, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. His point being, now that Jesus has ascended and he's poured out the Spirit, he is going to continue to do and teach through his people, through his disciples, through the church. And when Jesus was speaking to his disciples before he went to the cross in the Gospel of John, he said to them that his disciples would do greater things than he had done. Now, I do think that comes with some qualification. Uh, None of us, I hate to say this, none of us sitting here are going to atone for the sins of humanity. It's not going to happen. But together with our combined gifts, with our combined effort and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we are meant to go and minister to and serve the world around us and demonstrate the reality of the rule and reign of God that is breaking into the world. We're meant to be able to achieve far more in this world than Jesus did in his three years of ministry in the region of Galilee. That's what Jesus was getting at. And at the end of Matthew's gospel, we've got the the Great Commission, and uh, it's where Jesus told his disciples to go and make more disciples. But if you read actually what Jesus says there, he says that he calls them, hey, go make disciples and teach these new disciples everything that I told you to do. Everything that I told you to do, go and teach the next generation of disciples and the next generation of the disciples to go and do the same. Well, what had Jesus commanded these disciples, his original disciples, to do? Well, he called them to love and serve and heal. He called them to do miracles, to preach the gospel, to call people to follow the way of Jesus. The whole package wrapped up in in Jesus' command there to go make disciples, the Great Commission, wrapped up in that is the biblical proof, I want to say, that these things are still meant to be happening in and through God's people. And so I would love to ask us to beware of three things then when we we consider this, when when we're faced with this reality that the works of power are meant to be continuing in our lives. Here's three things to beware of. Number one, Let's beware of sophistication bias. Beware of sophistication bias. What what I mean by this is, in our modern Western world, we can think that all this stuff is superstitious or childish or silly. And I just want to say, no, this stuff is the kingdom of God. 
Miracles, healings, power is the kingdom of God. So let's beware to be, uh, to just beware of being too sophisticated for this. Let's, let's watch out for our sophistication bias. The second thing is, let's beware that our level of comfortability with this stuff is not the measuring rod by which the God of the universe gets to manifest his power. Okay, our level of comfortability is not what gives God permission to break in and do miraculous things. No, however comfortable we are, God can still do whatever he wants and break in. So let's not try and, and hamper him and, and, and think that he's gonna play by our levels, our rules based on our levels of comfortability. So let's be aware of that. And the third thing that I want us to be aware of is, is not to, if I can say this, pull down our theology or pull down the Bible down to our level of experience. Okay, what I'd say is let's rather lean in and let's pray and let's trust and seek for our experience to match our theology and what we see in the Bible. And I want to just, God, I want to pray right now. God, increase our faith in 2021. Make us a people who seek what the Bible seems to be calling us to rather than trying to match the Bible just to our everyday experience. Do that in us, God. And if you're someone who's especially gifted maybe in what we could maybe call some of the more miraculous gifts, healing, prophecy, words of knowledge, if that's you, I wanna say, bring your gift. I wanna be strong on this. Contribute, do not sit on your gift in unfaithfulness in 2021. I, 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 need, I need to say that strongly. If you're not using the gift that God has given you to be a good steward of, you are being unfaithful and you are being a poor steward. So in love and mercy for the world around us and, and, and in faith in God, bring your gift, bring your contribution. It might be on, on Sundays in our Sunday gatherings. It might be in life groups. It, it might just be at work. It might be with friends. It might be at the beach. It might be at a birthday party. It could be within the family of God or without, you know, outside the, the walls of the family of God. But bring your gift. God needs you to bring it and he'll use it. And my prayer is that we become an increasingly hungry community for these things. That's my prayer, that we seek after, after the gifts. You read in, the, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to that church and God commands them to seek after the gifts of the Spirit. My honest read is that us as common ground, we are not in any danger of extremism in this area. We're not in any danger of extremism in this area. If anything, the pendulum needs to be smacked and swung the other way so that we would pursue the power of God more. And so that's what I'm hoping to achieve. And I hope that's what God is doing in your heart now as you're listening to this message. Maybe I could quickly share a quick story of um, how I received the gift of tongues uh, last year or two years ago now in 2019. Um, I, I never had the gift of tongues. I believe there was a gift that believers could get and, and, and we, could, we could ask for it and seek for it. And it was the kind of gift that I had prayed for here and there. It wasn't something that I, you know, night and day for 20 years had been praying for. But every now and then I would ask God, God, can you give me the gift of tongues? It seems like something that would just be amazingly beneficial to my prayer life and my relationship with you. And so occasionally I'd pray for it. Occasionally I'd just go through seasons where I just forgot about it. And last year, 2019, or two years ago, at the Advance Conference uh, in Cape Town, uh, Advance is our, is, our, is our family of churches globally. Uh, and we had our global conference and all leaders from a whole bunch of advanced churches from all over the world came here, some from America and Nepal. And, and I was having lunch uh, or dinner, or I can't remember what it was, with uh, a church planter from Thailand. And we were chatting about, I think it would have been about miraculous gifts or stuff like that, but he started sharing about the story of his wife getting the gift of tongues. And then that led me to say, you know what? I don't have the gift of tongues. I'm still open for it. I'd still, you know, love prayer for it. So he said, okay, tonight during the meeting, let's pray for it. And so 
That night, worship was happening. We were all praising God, and he came and found me in the crowd, tapped me on the shoulder, and him and his wife uh, took me to the, the side of the venue, and we spent some time uh, praying. And they, they laid hands on me and started asking God to give me the gift of tongues. And, and I'm not a person to hype up things or tell you wild stories, but this is exactly what happened. Um, a few moments in, I, I was struck down by the power of God, and I went straight down onto the floor, and I started speaking in tongues. I was given this gift of a heavenly language, no other way to describe it, and I received the gift of tongues. And I got to use it a few times uh, last year in my, in my house, just praying, and I realized 2020, I hardly ever used it, actually. And so 2021, I need to get back on the bandwagon and be faithful with this gift that God's given me to speak to Him um, and to sort of nurture my soul. And so that's just my story of the fact that the power of God is still at work. The gifts are still active and, and, and we can still use them. And so God, make us hungry. Make us hungry for these gifts in 2021. So those are some of the, the works of power that Jesus did that He's calling us to still step into but he didn't just do these works of power and the miraculous. We, we read here as well in this passage. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And friends, Jesus' life was characterized by works of mercy and works of compassion. One of the biggest impacts of the early church on the surrounding culture at the time when it was birthed uh, was their care for the poor and the marginalized in society. The, the Greco-Roman culture had no um, you know, real care concept or category for caring for, quote-unquote, the, the least of these in society. It was a very fresh thing. It was very radical. And it was the hallmark of the life of Jesus and has been the hallmark of his church for the last 2,000 years. And you read again and again in the Gospels, things like this. Jesus had compassion on the crowd. Jesus had compassion on the woman. Jesus had compassion on him. Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with pity. It was something that began in the heart of Jesus and then was you know, manifest out into his life and through his life into the world around him. And you read uh, what's kind of called his, the, the manifesto of his ministry in Luke chapter 4. Um, what happens is the scene is Jesus walks into a synagogue and he grabs the scroll of Isaiah and he opens it up and he finds a, a portion to read. And, um, and he says this, he reads it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus said, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing, speaking about himself. And this heart of mercy coming upon both the, the spiritual and physical brokenness of the world and those around him is what characterized Jesus' life and what should characterize the life of those who, who, who claim to follow him and claim to be his disciples or apprentices. And so if this is going to be a reality in our lives, if we're going to have care and compassion for the poor and the broken in this world, we're going to need the margin in our lives. We're going to need the time. We're going to need the resources in order for that to happen. And that's going to mean that we're going to need to slow down. And we spoke about that a few, a few times in, in 2020. But we're going to need to slow down. Otherwise, we're not going to have the time to be able to engage with people on the street, people on the, at the robots, uh, people at our gates. We literally need the gaps in our day to be able to engage. It's not going to happen if we're running around from one thing to another. 
And also, if we don't have margin in our budget, how are we going to be generous? And I think of God in the Old Testament. He had what was called the gleaning laws, where you weren't allowed to, to reap your entire harvest. You had to leave the edges so that people would be able to come, those who were less fortunate, and be able to also reap the benefit of what you had grown. And that principle is still the same for us today. It's true for us today. We need to have margin in our budget. That's not just for us, but that margin is there for us to be able to be generous, to bless those who are less fortunate than us. Friends, these are the kinds of people that we're called to be, okay? This lifestyle that I've tried to paint a picture of today, it's a kind of lifestyle that changes cities and it changes the world. It already has for the last 2,000 years turned many parts of the world upside down and it's gonna continue to do it. The question is, are we gonna be a part of it? Are we gonna be a part of it? And the truth is we can't unbundle all this stuff too strongly. It's all kind of tied together. The message of Jesus, the morality of Jesus that he preaches, the manifestations of his power of his, and his mercy, all of that stuff is bundled up together and it's what it means to be followers of Jesus, to walk in the ways of Jesus. It's part of the whole package. And I don't want us to miss here as we sort of come into land. Jesus' last line in our passage there from Matthew 10, he said this to his disciples. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Friend, the world is in desperate need of a savior in desperate need of a savior. The world is in desperate need of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God breaking in, breaking into their lives. And the truth is God has appointed us to be his ambassadors. In his wisdom, he's appointed us to be his ambassadors, to be people who embody and carry this message to the world around us, to give the world a taste or a flavor of the life of Jesus. It's what he's called us to do. Uh, and I, I love this quote from uh, the, 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 the church father, Augustine. He was the Bishop of Hippo, North Africa in about the fifth century. And Augustine said this. He said, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. It's this crazy thing that God has called us to partner with him in changing the world. And it's through us that he's gonna work. We need him and he's gonna use us. And if you're not a Christ follower here today, I really hope the invitation has been clear. The invitation of Jesus to you today is to repent and believe. Turn from your old way of thinking, turn from your old way of life, turn and trust in Jesus and follow him and he will remove your sin that has separated you from the presence of God and he will count you in on what he's doing in the world the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God can, can be yours today in your life. Surrender to him, turn to him, believe in him. That's the message for you. For the rest of us, who consider ourselves Christ followers, I wanna close by, by simply reading the Great Commission over us. That's how I wanna end. And as I do it, let it place you in the story of the world. Let it place you in the story of Cape Town 2021 and what God has for you in that. Let it place you in God's purpose for your life. And let it also, as I, as I say it, let it send you back to the scriptures to see what Jesus was talking about, to be inspired to walk in the things that Jesus walked in and the things that he's called his disciples to walk in. So here we go, let's land. I'll read the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 
16 to 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.